It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. We welcome you in to this Wednesday edition of the Sports Mix. Good show for you here today. Of course, we'll be joined by head coach of the Washington Patriots, Terry Ray, here momentarily. At 1230, we'll be joined by Shepard Rams offensive lineman Wyatt Pelicano. We'll talk high school volleyball last night, a huge upset in the EPAC in terms of not so much who won, but the final result, Hedgesville sweeping Musselman first time in a long time that a team from the EPAC swept the Appleman in volleyball. New football ratings out, so a lot to talk about on the show today. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Not usually here on a Wednesday. I get to talk sure, to Wyatt yeah. today. Kind of switch things up with Colin. The substituting schedule. Flipped it around a little bit this week. So that could help out Musselman's golf coach get a get a substitute for himself yesterday. So we're all good. Glad to have you here, Dylan. I'm glad to be here. Good. This segment brought to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons family owned full service funeral home. That has proudly served our area since 1880 let's head to the phone line now as we are joined by the head coach of the washington patriots terry ray coach ray how are you doing today sir i'm doing good how about you guys doing all right as we take a look at last week's game for you guys unfortunately a loss to hedgesville competitive first half but the eagles were able to take control in half number two what were your takeaways from that game uh, defensively, we did really well in the first half. Second half, we had some breakdowns in our coverages, and it, it cost us later on. Uh, offensively, uh, Isaiah DeLauder ended up not playing in the game because he has an ankle injury. Uh, it kind of hurt us a little bit, took us out of our uh, our norm of our running game. But uh, we had to play four quarters of football. Coach, you mentioned that having to play a complete game. Um and obviously, you know, that's a big step that you're trying to, I guess, take with this team. Uh, last year they had that game against Hedgesville where they had a big lead and uh, unfortunately, you know, kind of fell apart in that second half. It's a young group. How do you, I guess, continue to build this team and uh, get them prepared to play a full four quarters each and every week? We keep talking about it each week. If you guys look back at uh, the past five weeks, each game, we've had a quarter where we're just not performing very well, and it's cost us a few times, and we've gotten lucky a few times and played the fourth quarter. Uh, We tell the kids every day, we got to play four quarters of football. Even when we start hitting quicksand, we got to work our way out of it so we don't dig ourselves in a hole. Coach, you mentioned the injury to Isaiah DeLauder in the game is that something that's going to affect him going forward in any future games uh right now uh we're hoping that he'll play this week uh he he went and seen doctor uh he's just got a high ankle sprain uh we're waiting and seeing and he's rehabbing so he's a game time decision on friday looking at your schedule it appears you guys have a bye week who do you guys have this friday uh we got say that again. What I'm looking at has you guys listed for a bye week. Who do you guys have this Friday? No, we have Spring Mills this week. Our bye week. Oh, my apologies. Week. For some reason, that one's disappeared. So my apologies here. Looking at that, I don't know why. But Spring Mills. Then let's get into this week's game. A team that is definitely improved looks to be one of the tough teams in the EPAC. What have you seen from them? 
Uh, defensively, they fly to the ball. They're very sound. Offensively, they've got some playmakers, and they run the ball very well. How do you prepare, or what are some of the things you guys will need to do to get the win on Friday? Uh, we definitely have to step up our run defense against their offense. Uh, their Max, their quarterback's a threat either through the air, throwing the ball, or running the ball. They've got two really good wide receivers and a running back solid. Their O-line kind of reminds me of ours. They're big. Every once in a while they make mistakes, but they come off the ball and control the line of scrimmage. Defensively, they're sound. They fly to the ball. You can tell their coach very well defensively. What sort of extra challenges would you say kind of comes with that sort of dual-threat quarterback that your defense has to go against? We just got to make sure we got our eyes on him. Uh, defensive ends need to make sure they're taking away the quarterback. Everybody else can worry about the running back. Uh, especially in pass situations, we need to try to keep him in the pocket. I know he's really good on his feet and get outside and extend plays. Coach, I want to go back. Uh, you mentioned DeLauder had an injury. Um, how's the rest of the team looking, though? Anybody uh, else injured pretty- or, for the most part, pretty healthy? We're pretty much where you are going into week six. Uh, we got a couple bumps and bruises here and there. We're pretty healthy outside of Isaiah. So, I mean, we got a couple guys that are beat up us a little bit, but them are bumps and bruises you get through playing five weeks of the season. Coach, when you look at uh, their program in Spring Mills, kind of a similar situation, you know, in terms of what you're trying to do at Washington. They were very young a few years ago. They've just kind of grown and, and built that team up. Is is that a similar thing that you hope in a few years your program can kind of get to this level where they're now you know beating the musclemans and uh certainly looking like one of the top teams in the epac this year that's the plan when when i came in that was the plan i presented i give us two three years to see what we could do uh our young guys are learning more we're getting a lot of experience guys who didn't play varsity football a whole lot last year uh I have a few seniors that are going to graduate at the end of this year that I wish were underclassmen. But, I mean, we're, we're repping, we're learning. Our kids are getting the experience, and that's what we're trying to do. We want to turn this around and turn it into a good football program. Here about halfway through the season, what would you say you've noticed most when it comes to the biggest improvement from you know preseason, beginning of the season, into now? We're getting better at our film study and our practice tempo. Uh, For weeks, I've been telling the kids that we just aren't practicing right, we're not practicing right. And last week, we started to pick it up a little bit more. The guys are paying attention more to little details that they really didn't pay attention to before, and it's improving each week, and hopefully it'll start showing a little bit more on the football field. And as we said this week, taking on Spring Mills, a team that – it's going to be a tough matchup. How much would it mean to your program, though, to get the upset against the Cardinals? If we can go into Spring Mills and pull up a win, it's going to be it's real big. That'll be probably be one of the bigger wins we've had here at Washington in a while. All right, Coach, anything else? Nope. Come out and see us Friday night at Spring Mills. All right, appreciate the time, and good luck Friday. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. That was the head coach of the Washington Patriots football team, Terry Ray. My apologies there for having the schedule confused. I pulled up Max Preps, and for some reason this week, it seems like we've run into the issue of the games for EPAC teams uh, involving Spring Mills have just disappeared. Yeah, Spring Mills' Max Preps schedule is just, it has like seven games on it, and clearly they're not playing seven games, so I don't know what the, what's going on with that. But Yeah, I mean, 
it is what it is. You know, Coach Ray obviously made the correction there. So uh, Max Preps, as we know, it's like 50-50 on how reliable it can be. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, Washington Spring Mills plays out because I do think that there are some similarities with these programs in terms of Washington's been down for a bit. They have a young quarterback that they can build up in uh, Went, I believe is his last name. Mm-hmm. So they can build him up, Ryan Went, and, and continue to see his progression. And maybe in two to three years, Washington's got all these kids now that are growing together and we could see something similar where they're a playoff team in Spring Mills, it looks like, at this point. Now, could Washington go in and upset them? Uh, absolutely. You know, it's an EPAC game. You can never count anybody out. So I'm interested to see what Coach Law's read is on this Spring Mills team. But they were in the game against Hedgesville at halftime and just kind of a few things didn't go their way in the second half. We'll be talking with Coach Law. If you guys want to join me, it's at Thursday at 5 o'clock. If not, I'll have the interview it'll be played on uh friday's sports mix and then uh the only other coach we got left is coach faircloth who we will be talking with later this afternoon and we'll play that uh tomorrow on the show as we take a break here for the first segment of the sports mix which was brought to you by parsons ford of martinsburg at 1400 shepherdstown road and online at parsonsford.com they became number one by making you number one first parsons on the other side of this two minute break we'll talk about last night's volleyball matchup between hedgesville and musselman as the eagles got the sweep as well as the football ratings for this week in triple a high school football now back to the sports mix on talk radio wrnr 106.5 fm am 740 and tv 10 we welcome you back to the sports mix as colin mentioned before we hit the break an upset in terms of well not an upset really because it's Hedgesville Musselman it can go either way the the fact that was the surprising notion of this is that Hedgesville sweeps Musselman is the first time since October 2nd 2007 that Musselman was swept in EPAC play so that was shocking but Hedgesville gets a big win last night overall they've fallen Musselman's fallen to Hedgesville multiple times before they fell in four sets a few times and still ended up you know, going far and even winning state championships in the same year. So it's not over for Musselman or anything like that. But I think Hedgesville has a few things on their side that make them a team that will be tough for Musselman to defeat come sectionals, come regionals, and potentially even the state playoffs. So it's a very intriguing matchup moving forward. Appleman's just, they just seemed off completely. They, they didn't seem like they're their team at all they had a lot of miss hits especially late they had a big lead in set three and i don't really know what happened that that was a collapse that you never see from a muscleman team but i think Hedgesville's size up front especially with their height and sutherland and uh gracie brown those two are really good players that really muscleman doesn't have a ton of height on its side so i feel like that kind of helps bring or Hedgesville in some ways but an interesting match last night. Good match to uh, watch and, and obviously historic win for the Eagles. 
No, listen, Nick. It's overreaction Wednesday. It's over. Muslim and volleyball <laughs> dynasty. It's ended. Sean Martz on the Easy hot there. seat. All Easy there. No, I'm joking. I'm obviously <laughs> joking. Uh, I would I would call it an upset though. I mean, obviously Hedgesville does beat Musselman, but. I expected Musselman to go in there and win because Hedgesville had so many injuries. They had to, they've had to make a call That's up true. from JV yeah. for a setter. Obviously, they lost Elena Harper before the year, and it's it's not uncommon. Last year, Musselman, outside of the five set regional championship win for Hedgesville, Musselman won the regular season games in the sectional championship against uh, Hedgesville combined nine sets to one. So. I do think it's still, you know, an upset is just when the team that was favored doesn't win, when the underdog wins. So I think Hedgesville, even at home, went into that game as the underdog because they didn't have their normal setters. They had to use Addison and Jillian Sykes as the setters for the entire game. Didn't have Lexi Winston, didn't have Kylie Ann East. And like we said, Elena Harper was done since the beginning of the year. I, I do think it's an upset, but it just shows that Hedgesville still has talent all throughout that program top to bottom and is very well coached by Allison Whitford to where they can still go up against the state champs nine times in the last you know however many years it's been and win at any moment so obviously you can go into a match expecting yeah Musselman probably will take this one but now it's that's you know out the window they get a sweep against Musselman. I do think Musselman wasn't playing their best, but Hedgesville's incredibly talented. So it's not too big of a surprise to see that they won, but the sweep is just out of nowhere. At least it's been 16 years. Yeah, the sweep, as you said, out of nowhere. I believe, Nick, you said October 2nd, 2007, is the last time a team from the Eastern Pandora, which was Hedgesville, swept Musselman. So it's definitely a wake-up call we knew these two teams are two of the best teams potentially in the entire state, definitely here in the EPAC. So we're looking forward to a great match last night and did not expect a sweep in my mind on either side. Definitely not for my end from Hedgesville, but Hedgesville looked to be the better team. I'm going to go with something that you said, though, just earlier, Dylan, and say it now seems like Hedgesville can win at any time. I don't know if I want to go that far yet in my mind because we, we've seen for the past few years, yeah, Hedgesville gets them once, but Musselman gets yeah. them every other time and when it matters, and that's why they're the three-time defending state champions trying to go for a four-peat, the nine-time state champions, best of the best in high school volleyball in the state. So until Hedgesville can do it again in a season, Knock them off, yeah. make it consistent is where I'll change my mindset in that aspect, but definitely still shocking because of the sweep. And it does give me a little bit of what you're saying in my mind, but I don't know if I'm going all in yet on Hedgesville because of that. Yeah, I think still. But it also gives Hedgesville a lot of confidence now for the rest of the time going against Musselman because they got a win streak now against them. You want to count this one? I know Hedgesville's counting over the summer when they played, even though it wasn't official. Mm -hmm. And they're counting the last time they met in the regionals last year when they won because they never met in the state tournament. Hedgesville lost before that. Musselman goes on to win states. But they got a win streak in their minds now, and they're the team that is the favorites in their mind now, not Musselman. Well, I mean, it's like what we talked about heading into – previous matches when teams are going up against Hedgesville or Musselman, other EPAC teams, confidence. 
if you have the confidence that you can beat a team, you know, that's the first step. Because if you go into any match or any game without confidence, and you then you're just going to, you know, not perform and lose. You lost before you even took mm-hmm. your before you even stepped on the floor. So if you don't think that you're going to win, you're not going to win. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, this was a good performance by Hedgesville. The reason why I didn't want to call it an upset is because it's happened before. And also in terms of Hedgesville's beaten Musselman before they have a good program, but you're right with the injuries and everything leading into the match. If anybody was going to sweep, we kind of thought it would be Musselman, right? Because of the fact that Hedgesville's beat up right now, they're not quite the same team. They looked a little shaky at times this season, but this was a great match for them. I think Musselman will be fine, and they'll be back to performing at a high level um, and probably not make some of those same mistakes when these two teams meet again. But um, it's also possible, too. I mean, they just played a ton of matches on Saturday. Maybe that was carrying over a little bit into Tuesday. Yeah, Coach Martz did say it was their fourth straight weekend trip. Yeah. So it's possible that they were a little they were a little fatigued, but can't use that as an excuse. No, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but it is a a factor in the match. Um, But give credit to Hedgesville. They pulled off a great win last night, and it definitely makes things very interesting when we get to sectionals and regionals. Mm -hmm. So let's switch over now and get into the Class AAA WVSSAC playoff ratings that came out for week five yesterday late afternoon still the number one team in the state is morgantown with a 4-0 record and a rating of 13.25 right behind them by 0.5 points coming in second is cabell midland following that goes huntington at three princeton senior in four parkersburg south at five parkersburg in six spring mills the first epac team coming in at seventh with 11.08 rating at four and one hurricanes eighth woodrow wilson's ninth martinsburg moves up three spots they're now 10th bridgeport's 11th oak hills 12th musselman's 13th 14th is jefferson 15th brook and 16th is Hedgesville, and then the last EPAC team, that being Washington, down at 22nd. But if the playoffs started today, five of the six EPAC teams would be playoff teams, guys. Yeah, and I think one thing that that or one thing that stands out to me about those ratings is Washington and Hedgesville. Last week we talked about how significant of a game that would be. Washington loses that game; they're now at 22. Hedgesville's in the playoffs right now. Now, can we get five EPAC teams? Maybe, right? Because I was doing some math last night. Or not math. I was more so just looking at schedules. I I don't do math. I don't do that well. Dylan does math. Right. Dylan does the math. He's the t-shirt around here. But (laughs) I was looking at some things, and it's possible we could have five teams, 500 or better, which would mean they could probably get into the playoffs. But we need some upsets, so I don't know if it's going to happen. I would say right now it's highly unlikely, but it is a possibility I thought the most interesting thing was, though, how significant that Washington-Hedgesville game appears to be because Hedgesville now a playoff team. Washington has to make up make up a lot of ground to get to that point. So, I'm very interested in Musselman versus Hedgesville now because Musselman's ha- having some shakeups, some changes in what they're doing, and they're going to have to face some tough teams at the end of the year. They, haven't pl- they play Martinsburg this week. So I wonder if Musselman-Hedgesville ends up being a sort of playoff play-in game. So we'll, we'll see what that 
And the other thing when I look yeah. at these rankings is we're going to probably this is probably something that we're going to be able to say every week until these teams at the top play each other and you know have the, some losses on the schedule. Martinsburg's the tenth best team in the state. Are we really? I know I understand there's a formula to it, but Martinsburg's obviously not the doesn't. There's not nine teams better in in the right. state, than, and, and than they'll end up in the top four. I wouldn't. That's do what yeah, I think though, but unfortunately. It my ceiling it might be four because they only have nine games and at least at the start of this strength of schedule well, the nine that's games not might help you because of it being a lower percentage then or you would divide by nine but instead of divide you get by less 10. bonus points yeah which right now they right now they're not getting a lot of bonus points because teams aren't four. winning with without looking at the schedules you would assume that you know look at the nine teams ahead of them hurricane at least some of them at least hurricane at eight Parkersburg South and Parkersburg at five and six, Huntington at three, Cabell at two, Morgantown at one, even pr- throwing Princeton at four. Probably a lot of those teams play each other uh, before the end of the year. Some of them so, are in the same conference. So. Right. And some they're up at the top because they haven't lost games yet. And if they play each other, that's obviously not going to be the case. Yeah. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be too worried about it. And plus, I think Martinsburg, as long as they can you know, get one of the top seeds, they'll probably go on a good run i really don't think there's too many teams that can beat them no matter where the game is played um but it is tough to travel on the road in the state you know some of these drives are pretty long so you never know if high school kids getting off a bus how they will perform um but i just think from a talent perspective martinsburg still looks to be the most talented team in the state there are some teams that i think are very good i think huntington is very good and and there's some others as well um but realistically, those are probably one and two, and they're both lower than they will be in terms of where you would rank them in terms of a power ranking. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. It's still a lot of football left to be played. Like Dylan said, there's going to be a lot of movement. One thing that's interesting, too, when we're talking about EPAC teams getting into the playoffs, some teams are down this year. Spring Valley is down. South Charleston is down. Those are teams to put in as pretty much locks to the playoffs. They both are having tough seasons in terms of their record so there could be some opportunities then for epac teams to take those spots because there's only so many teams in the state and you have to have 16 of them in the playoffs possible and on that note we'll step aside take our break here on the sports mix is this segment brought to you by orsini's home store not just appliance store anymore cabinets and design bedding outdoor living family owned and operated visit them at 360 hack wilson way in martinsburg or online at orsini's.com on the other side of this two minute break we'll be joined by shepherds wyatt pelicano for another edition of wyatt wednesdays You're tuned into the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV10. Everybody's excited. Why Wednesdays is back. I mean, what a great day to be alive. Malachi Brown, he's got a good block from Wyatt Pelicano. Brown, a first down and more, and out of bounds inside the 20 yard line. Shepard with the well executed swing pass. You um, never ordered Chipotle online either. Oh, uh, no, you don't do that. That's a, that is a cardinal sin. You are asking to get ripped off. It's a great day to be alive. Wyatt Wednesday here on the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop, and Wyatt Pelicano now joining us on the phone. Wyatt, how are you today? Well, like you said, man, it's a great day to be alive. It's Wednesday in Shepherdstown. It's another game week. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's plenty, plenty to be excited about in this world today. Wide, unfortunately for you guys, coming off of that tough loss to Kutztown, a sloppy game. Um, what did you take away from the game from the offensive line and, and the offensive perspective? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, any time that you can play a full 60 minutes and not get into the end zone, that's a bad day. Uh, so that's that's on us. There's nobody. There's nobody else to that you could ever give that blame to, and we know that. Um, we we have stuff that we got to get better at. Things. I mean, I talk a lot on here about like how great our team can be when we're clicking, and we clearly were not clicking. Uh, things were kind of falling apart. We were. I think we did a okay job of keeping us ourselves together as a group uh, throughout it. You know, nobody really. There wasn't a whole lot of finger pointing on the sideline or anything like that, which is always that's a good thing. Like so, there's. There, I mean, there's always a silver lining in everything bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the score speaks for itself. Uh, like what's understood doesn't need to be explained. It was, it was a bad day for us. Um, but we're definitely bouncing back. We've had, we're stacking good days. So we're, we're definitely doing everything we can to turn this thing around and not let, uh, and not let Kutztown beat us twice. Hey, Wyatt, good to, good to be here on a Wyatt Wednesday. First time in a little while, first of all. But uh, I'll ask you, when the offense is going through struggles like that, like you did on Saturday, what, what is your mindset on the sideline? Maybe we say you're coming back from another third, uh, three and out after maybe a couple in a row. What are, what are you doing on the sideline? Are you just talking to the offensive linemen, trying to keep them in check, to, uh, you know, keep them motivated? Are you talking to the, the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers as well? What, what is your uh, mindset? on the sideline when the offense isn't putting up a lot of points on the board. Yeah, I mean, the key to our success is uh, is is staying calm, cool, and collected, in my opinion. So after every single turnover or every bad drive or whatever we had on Saturday, uh, I will pretty much come to the sideline. Uh, the whole line sits down together. We had, like, the offensive side, like, the bench is all there. Um, and pretty much who's ever sitting there, which is always at least the offensive line that I'm talking to, uh, like when we all sit down is just trying to keep everybody calm, you know, cause obviously it is very easy. Like I said, to start pointing fingers, you know, and, and turning on each other, especially with like, I mean, we got the stands right on our backs. Uh, and some of them were not happy and we hear all of that, you know, so it's, it's, it's hard to keep composure. So, I mean, I'm not big on freaking out. I've never, I've never been big on that. You know, I, I've been, I've been hit before I've been beaten before, you know, so it's, it's, and you got to handle everything like a man, you know, the good times and the bad. So when we come to the sideline after a bad drive, I mean, we, we have some dudes that can get hot. And, and my entire goal whenever we get back is just to remind them that even, even if it's not exactly our fault, right, we have to keep performing uh, in the best way we can and controlling what we can control to turn the thing around and, and bounce back. And like I said, I feel like, we did a good job of that. Did the mistakes keep coming? Yes, absolutely. Like, there's no hiding from that. But I think, uh, especially, at, like, up front, I feel like we did a good job of staying collected, staying calm. We didn't turn on each other. We didn't turn on, on the skill guys or anybody else or point any fingers, which, I mean, we've had some problems of in past years. So that's pretty much my mindset is control the controllable. Uh, everybody stay calm. If we do what we're supposed to do, we can score at will. Like, uh, we've seen it happen. We did it at Cal. We've done it in the past. Like, so th there's nobody that can stop us when we're clicking. So and we can't click if we're fighting. So that's my entire goal whenever I come to the sideline after a bad drive. 
wide. I'm going to take it about one step further and kind of transition it into this week now. You just mentioned how you stay positive, keep the energy up in the game, but after an embarrassing loss, not really sugarcoating it there, and don't really feel like I need to, fans getting angry and as you said you can hear them on the sidelines but going into this week whether it's social media whether it's in school how do you make sure you and your teammates don't let that just eat at you sulk in the loss and be able to refocus so that you guys go out there and are 100 percent set on bouncing back and beating Shippensburg yeah I mean absolutely that's it's totally fair and I would I mean I want you guys to understand I'm never, ever going to get upset at y'all for saying anything like that because that was an embarrassing loss. You're not wrong in the slightest. I mean, we I, we went into that game with every intention of winning it. You know, there's not a single game that we're going to go into uh, into with the intention of not winning it. So, in my eyes, any loss is an embarrassing loss, no matter who it's to. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. There, it's an outside factor for sure, but that's all it is, is an outside factor, and we got to keep it that way. Uh, we have to keep it about the guys in the room. we got to keep it about the guys on the field. Uh, and, and that's to me, that's the recipe to, to cure that, you know, because words are words. They're just that uh, actions are more important, in my opinion. And nobody who isn't on the roster, uh, staff, whatever, a part of this program, none of those people – can take action they can only speak words so you got to just let let a spade be a spade let them say what they want and then we got to do everything we can to prove them wrong when we go back out there on saturday as colin mentioned shippensburg this week wyatt uh, what are you seeing out of their defense and, and their front line yeah, I mean they play uh they play a pretty traditional like four three. Uh they'll bump to a four two every now and then. So that's a four down front with and then the two and three is two linebackers or three linebackers. They're primarily three. So it's a pretty it's a pretty heavy box. Um they don't they, they do they have some twists and every obviously when you're playing college football you're gonna get some twists and some stunts. Uh but they're they're pretty straightforward. Uh they're pretty big on just trying to beat us with talent and beat us with power and just be a more physical team, which Honestly, I, I don't think that there's a team that can out physical us when we're when we're doing the right things. Like even even against even last week, like the battle in the trenches, like watching the film, we're we're winning the line of scrimmage. We're we're making pushes. We are a physical ball team. Like there's no no question about that. Uh, so I, I think we're in good shape there. But obviously, they're I mean they're coming in. They smell blood in the water. You know we, we just took a tough one. Um, so they're going to try to capitalize on that. And pretty much the entire goal is is playing the man in the mirror this week. You know, it's not about who we're going against. Uh, we're trying to focus more on just doing what we do right. Because if we do what we do right, there's there's not a team that can beat us. So uh, that's really the point of emphasis this week going into Shippensburg. Uh, but yeah, they they're there's not a whole lot changing from how they've been playing in the past. Uh, like watching the tape. So we're expecting a lot of similar stuff that we've seen before. And obviously, this is a big rival game for us. They're just an hour down the road. Uh, so they're going to come They're going to come ready to play. And there's, it's going to be a high-energy game for sure. So this is kind of a question about last week and this week coming up. The practice during the week this week, when you're coming off of a game where you had a lot of turnovers, what are the coaching points from coaches like McCook or whoever it may be when it comes to preventing turnovers, is it more about technique? Is it more about 
uh, mentality. Obviously, as an offensive lineman, you're not really holding on to the ball and not have to worry about turnovers personally for yourself when it comes to the team. What, what do the coaches really – what sort of angle do they take at preventing turnovers? Yeah, I mean, uh, turnovers is, is kind of like offensive line play as a whole where it's really – a lot of it is uh, is like – I don't know. I want to say a lot of it's like want to, you know, like there's, there's definitely technique to it. And for sure they're doing a, they're like the coaching is doing uh, like the emphasis is technique. Uh, Coach McCook and Coach Clark are doing a good job of trying to teach these dudes working extra ball security drills, working like, you know, and working with Seth to make sure that the ball is going to the right spots where the defender is not going to be. So worst case scenario, it's incomplete rather than uh, interception. But, I mean, as an O-lineman, I don't really – I'm not really around a whole lot for all of that. But I know that uh, the big emphasis, too, is just it's a mentality of protect the ball. You know, that, that is what, that's what the entire game is built around. And the O-line isn't immune to it, you know, because if we trail the running back like we're supposed to, if that ball comes out, or if we're, tra- if we're covering passes like we're supposed to and a tip comes out, we, can, we have to be there to be ready to fight for that ball. You know, so we're not immune to it either. We have our role to play when it comes to protecting the rock. Uh, so, but I think a lot of it is just the energy of protecting the rock. We we got to vocalize it. We got to we got to manifest it. Uh, that's got to be the mindset. Is whatever happens, good or bad, we cannot turn the ball over. So that's really been a big point of emphasis, obviously after last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a combination of both technique and just and just the energy of protect the rock. All right, Wyatt, looking at this week now again, it's Shippensburg. We kind of touched on it last week when we started talking rivalries. What rivalry is the biggest rivalry for Shepard? And a lot of fans, because of the history between these two schools and also the distance between the two schools, would most likely all agree that it's Shepard, Shippensburg that is the biggest rivalry because of those things. So what is the, I guess, preparation like from maybe coaches or from teammates? What do you guys motivate yourselves in a rivalry type situation? Anything different than a typical week that is non-Shippensburg week? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, I think we're, we do a good job. We're doing a good job of, like I said before, we're trying to take the emphasis more on not making it about the opponent, but making it about us. Because that's that's really at the end of the day what's going to get the job done. Um, so I feel like we're 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 trying not as a team to buy into all of that, you know. Uh, and it's uh, some of it's certainly there. I mean, Coach McCook. I mean, we we had we were all told ahead of time that I mean this program obviously has no love for us. Um, and in the past, it's been vice versa and what have you, right? I mean, everybody knows the history and, like you said, the distance. Um, so, like, they're, they don't like us, but nobody does. It's nothing new for us. I've said that a thousand times on here, too, where it's like there's really nobody in this conference that's, that's got any sort of love or respect for Shepherd football, and it's a main reason of that is how successful we are. So we just have to come out and keep being a bigger man, you know, and just proving, talking with our pads and proving why people don't respect us, people don't like us. And we got we got to just make it about us uh, and just be the best Shepherd football team we can play and try not to buy into the, to the rivalry stuff and everything like that. Well, I know you still have a few years of eligibility left, but what are you studying and what is your plan to – or what are you planning on doing after uh, football? 
Yeah, so I'm a sports marketing major. Um, I've been asked that a few times, you know, because obviously now, like, everybody wants to know what what why Wednesday's plans are, and I, I don't I don't really I don't really have one to be honest. I'm, my goal at this point in my life, uh, like you said, I got a couple years left, so I'm just trying to open as many doors as I can for myself. Um, and then that way, when the time comes for me to make a decision, I can make it. But I, I will say that in the running, obviously, first of all, I want to I want to see how long I can play. You know, so that that is the the initial goal will always be to play until I can anymore. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to press that. Um, and then I, I love this game so much that if that doesn't work out, I think my immediate fallback would be coaching. Um, but after after those two. I, it could be a number of things. I've thought about teaching. I've thought about going into like what my father does in the financial insurance side of the of the world. Um, so I, that, that's kind of where my head's at with it, just somewhere in between there. But I mean, I could. I, I'm I'm the type of person where I'm confident in my abilities and my people skills that I could really do anything I wanted to. Uh, so it just all depends on what I'm feeling. So sometime on set this past Saturday, I, I get on Instagram and I see a video on the story of former quality control coach at Shepard, uh, Russell Goodacre's uh, story of Wyatt Pelicano in the locker room with a sledgehammer smashing a chair in the locker room. What is that all about? What is this tradition? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a little uh, that's a home game tradition uh, that started before me. Um that that I was, I mean, I I loved immediately. Um, I don't know. I mean, it just it gets it gets everybody fired up. You know, there's nothing nothing more uh, that that pumps your testosterone more than breaking objects with a sledgehammer. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I feel like that's kind of how it started. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's it, it's it's a great way to fire everybody up uh we'll, the equipment guys have fun they write they write some nonsense on the chair about whoever we're playing and then uh, i'll give some big some big speech about how we're going to go out there and do crazy things and then i'll slam the chair in front of everybody uh it's a, it's a good time you know i enjoy doing it for sure um i think i think it helps i think it gets people fired up uh but yeah it's it's actually funny i didn't I feel like I always see cameras in there when I'm doing it, but I'm, the the fact that that happens has never made it out of the locker room until now. So that's actually that's funny. Yeah, Russ is a good dude, man. I, I love he's a good. I, it's been really cool getting to know him. I never got to work with him personally, but he's uh, he's a really good dude. Just to follow up on this real quick, Wyatt, uh, is this always your role to smash the chair? And then is this something that you pass down to somebody after you're done at Shepherd? Yeah, so uh, before me, it was uh, an offensive lineman that went by the name Nordic Storm. (laughs) So I've actually never met him in person either, but I'm told that we have a similar just sledgehammer energy. Um, So I don't remember. I don't know. I don't think I did it in 2021. I forget who did. I feel like it kind of rotated around. Um, But then in 2022, I did it the first time, and now, I mean, when I come into the locker room, like the whoever, one of the equipment guys or one of the strength coaches, like will be standing there waiting for me to hand me the sledgehammer. So I guess I'm doing something right because they keep giving it back to me. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's, uh, it started off with, with that guy, and um, 
and it's just kind of it's been going ever since. I don't know if you guys remember him. Uh, he was an O line with long blonde hair, uh, but yeah, he he was he was I guess a crazy individual like myself. Uh, so that's how it started, and now yeah, at this point, I feel like it would be it would be a little. I don't want to say off or on because obviously, if anybody ever wanted to give it a try, I'd be more than more than happy to let someone else do it. Um, but I think I think everybody kind of is expecting me to to do it at this point. All right, last question here, Wyatt. Before we let you go, we had Travis Bajan, the Beast, on yesterday's show, and he says he tunes in every Wednesday for this. My question for you: You win a million dollars for this situation hypothetical situation okay you can pick anybody at all to go up against travis in arm wrestling if they beat travis you get a million dollars who are you choosing god i don't know i, mean, <laughs> I don't i don't know I, listen i've i've felt that i've taken that ride you know i've taken that ride twice i've tried i've tested that man twice on the table and both times he pretty much laughed in my face. And I like to think that I'm a pretty strong dude. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I really don't. Listen, that man is is the is the Michael Jordan, Tom Brady of his craft. So you can, and I've been saying that for years. You can you can say what you want, but that dude is is the best at what he does. And you can you can his energy, everything about it. He knows it. And I mean, he talks his he talks his trash about it, and he should. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't like seriously. Maybe Eddie Hall, like a power lifter, but even then, I just don't think he's got it down to a science. It's so much more than just strength to him, his technique, and just his demeanor and and the the trash talk. I mean, it is demoralizing. Like he had, he was he was letting me stay in the game. Like he was just holding my hand there. And then just treating me like a little kid, and I was like, "Dude, I am a grown man in my prime, and this dude is handling me right now." So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have anybody that I, I would trust to do that. I feel like I would try to, I would try to cut a deal with whoever was giving me the million to be like, "Well, what if I put someone crazy out there and we just cut it in half and not actually do it like a no contest?" But I, I really don't know. Like there's, yeah. I mean, Joe. I watched Joey Fisher beat him, but he Joey got him after the entire football team had already tried. So, and even then, it was not a it was not like a clean win. And Joey bench pressed two twenty five fifty times. So, I don't know. I really don't know. All right. Well, we'll let you leave on that note and appreciate the time this week, Wyatt. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. That was Wyatt Pelicano of the Shepherd Rams for another edition of Wyatt Wednesdays. You can tune in every Wednesday here on the Sports Mix at 12.30 to hear from him as this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience by your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go online today at HagerstownFord.com. On the other side of this break, we'll wrap things up and... Hopefully, it's Mary Clinchmas for the Baltimore Orioles. We'll talk about that after this. Now, back to the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. 
We welcome you into the final segment of today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show. As we get into this final segment, we are going to talk Orioles. And with talking Orioles, we have to talk about the death of Brooks Robinson last night. Uh, the news broke that he passed away at the age of 86. I don't know if there was a cause of death, but I'm presuming. I just know he was in yeah, poor health. Poor uh, health. Yeah, he, at least that's end. what I saw. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, he kind of he took a fall within the last few years, though, which at that age is 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 tough. And you know it. What are we gonna do? You know, but greatest defensive third baseman of all time, maybe the best overall third baseman of all time, one of the best Orioles ever. Yeah, Mister Oriole. In fact, yep. so yeah. definitely will be missed in Baltimore for his greatness. I mean, what with the Orioles franchise, whether as a player, as a fan, former player since 1955 when he was called up at 18 years old. So definitely yeah, just, uh, a sad day. Still a big day for the Orioles as their magic number now. And from two, everybody that I've or everybody that talked to him or talked about him last night and just in general, you know, they all say that he was just a great guy and, uh, you know, always a very kind person to be around. So I think hearing all that, I mean, definitely a sad loss. Uh, hopefully they can win one for Brooks this year. Hopefully, they won last yes. night. Got to make sure we get this one in while we wrap things up here. This segment was brought to you by the Marius Group of Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. Call them at 304-263-4343 or stop by 1270 Winchester Avenue right here in Martinsburg. The Touchdown City Show at 4 o'clock today. And then following that, we'll have Nationals Baseball as they take on the Baltimore Orioles, but for Nick Verzellini as well as Dylan Bishop, I'm Colin McLaughlin. This has been WRNR Martinsburg's edition of the Sports Mix.